1: Welcome to the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Aku Smith, from the bubble, live and direct. Hopefully, uh, our bubble time is winding down. We don't know for sure. Game five of the finals is upon us, so we're just kind of waiting to see how things play out. Joining us today on the podcast is, uh, I just call her the boss. She's got an official title that's so long that I'm not sure we could fit it all on one podcast, uh, but she's a rock star down here. She's she's the one asking all the great questions, getting all the best answers. Morgan Mitchell from Warner Media and Turner Sports. And uh, Morgan, how are you? I know you are one of these long toothed bubble people down here. You've been down here for quite some time. Um, how many days officially have you done? Have you counted?
0: Uh, well, first I'd like to say thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm trying to hold down Turner sports social while I'm here. I believe we did the math. I think I'm at like 74. Oh, wow. I think because I started from the beginning, took a little break, like a two week break, then had to re quarantine and then have been here for the remainder of the time. So we're in the 70s.
1: I don't know if I would rather do like 100 plus days instead of re Because quarantine week was the worst week of my life.
0: The first the quarantine wasn't bad because you didn't know what to expect when you got out, right? <laughs> right? The second one, I'm like, I know what's waiting for me on the other side. I just can't reach it. So <laughs> definitely more frustrating the second time through. But, you know, two weeks to go see the fam, uh, try to get reintroduced into society a little bit. So things like that, it wasn't bad.
1: You've had like a, an interesting ride down here. And I was watching before I got here and listening. I'm a keen observer of like, who's asking what question. I love that you have come at them in so many different ways. Like it's different topics, different, you know, angles. What's been your strategy in dealing with, you know, everybody that that we've gotten a chance to interview and kind of what you're aiming for when you know you're kind of asking questions for social media purposes, as opposed to writing a story or, you know, for some sort of written uh, project?
0: Growing up the way I did, I understand how players are different and each person has different strengths and weaknesses, just as all of us as humans. So what I never wanted to do was ask somebody a question that I felt like they weren't going to be able to answer that made someone look bad and that was on a topic they weren't informed about. So obviously the players talked about Social justice being a big thing that they cared about and wanting to show that they have more to them and that they're using this platform for not only basketball, but also what's going on in our country. Um, So trying to ask people like, "Okay, I saw someone tweet about this. Let me ask them about this. I know that you speak about this. This new thing, development has happened, like Brown Taylor, things like that happen. I want to ask people that I know have been keeping up with the story and that understand uh, the power of their voice and that are able to articulate how they really feel. Um, because some guys care, but not everybody is built for speaking about social justice issues. Right. Right? So like, I'm not going to go talk to somebody about something or ask them a question if I'm like, this might not be your thing. Maybe I'll ask you a basketball question or how are you feeling in relation to something else versus going deeper into the topic?
1: I mean, you mentioned your background growing up the way you have. I don't know if people know who your dad is. Sam Mitchell, uh, who works with us at NBA TV, coach of the year uh, in the NBA when, when he was in Toronto, a longtime player, um, noted OG in, in many player circles. Uh, he he commands that ultimate OG respect when you see him um, interacting with, with other players and, and retired players. Um, how influential was just being around the league for as long as you have been in, in terms of how you've attacked your job and how you've approached what you do for a living?
0: It makes it so I'm comfortable speaking to people. I think a lot of people who... Get into sports, are really enamored by athletes, and like they have this either hero complex or whatever, where you feel like you can't have a normal conversation with somebody. What's great about Turner is that a lot of the guys that like, they've known me since I was little, like that right. we work with. So walking in and seeing like 3D or Smitty or whoever, they're like, oh my God, I remember when you were little. So there's <laughs> already that barrier breakdown. And right. then it begins to players because I'm looking at them, I'm, I'm like, you're 23. Yes, I can ask you a question about whatever. Or like, you know what I mean? I don't feel like, oh, I can't ask or I can't talk to someone because they're in the NBA. Like, no, they're just as goofy as another 23 year old. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> there's definitely some goofy going on down here in the bubble. I will, I will definitely agree with that. What's been your favorite part about the interactions here in the bubble? Cause I, I know for myself, I was wondering before I got here, like this is a departure from how we normally you know, operate and interact with people. So I was wondering would I enjoy the games, would I enjoy the kind of isolation that everybody is, you know, sharing, you know, that same feeling of everybody kind of being here with one purpose, but what's been the thing that that you've enjoyed the most?
0: I appreciate that we actually get to know people more working any other finals or events. There's always this level of separation between like media and teams and even other media outlets, just because we're all trying to accomplish whatever we're trying to do here. You rely on each other a lot, just for like sanity purposes as well. So you end up like meeting people and having like, better relationships. i worked with the league obviously for seven years, but there's people that I'm like, oh, this is my first time really sitting down and getting to know you, like asking about your life, having those conversations. And it just speaks to the different connections that we all have that keep us closer versus um, the things that kind of separate us.
1: Have you appreciated the way this taxes all of us who aren't playing, just being away, being in an uncomfortable environment per se, um, not having the normal creature comforts of just your everyday existence. Have you appreciated the way these players have fought through that? Because I did, I didn't really have a have that on my mind until I heard Paul George talk about, and this was back during the first round of the playoffs, even I think. Just the, the mental grind it was to to operate in this uncomfortable space. Like I didn't until he said it. It wasn't even something I thought about. And then after he said it. It's all I can think about now, like, man, I wonder what this is like for LeBron or for Anthony Davis or Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic or somebody who's dealing with something that has a finite amount of time on it for players. You know, they don't have forever to compete. So I'm I'm, I'm like looking at them and go, man, this is, this is a hell of a thing they've done making it to this point in this specific playoffs.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it so much because it's been hard for all of us and I mean, speaking for me as a Black woman experiencing America today, being down here, feeling alone at certain points and not able to be with my family like they're in certain situations, I appreciate that they are really sacrificing to be down here because... Yes. Everyone brings up, well, they're making a lot of money, so they should be fine, but we're all people, right? So like you miss your family and you miss your comforts of home. And because everything is so quick, you don't really have time to process. Like we call it a bubble, but it's not just a physical bubble. It's also mental because you don't feel as connected to the outside world. Like I fully understand and appreciate what's happening outside of these walls, but I also don't fully feel a part of it because like, we're getting tested every day. Like we're interacting with the same people every day. It's like, we built this little community to kind of survive. So it's like a weird situation. And I do appreciate that. I've seen the players with a lot of great attitudes. I couldn't imagine answering questions about everything in the world all day, every day, twice some days and still coming to work and feeling happy. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the biggest thing that I've thought about is, how transparent they have to be all the time um, and how I might would struggle with that if I was on that stage.
1: You asked LeBron a question the other day that I thought produced one of the most interesting answers when he was talking about Black women, his mother, his daughter, his wife, you know, and his wife, and kind of how all of that is going through his mind when he's thinking about, some of the social justice issues that have been raised. Breonna Taylor, you know, the day that that decision came down from the Kentucky grand jury was like, and I wasn't here when, when the issue in Kenosha came up and they almost stopped playing, but I was here for the Breonna Taylor decision. And I got a a small taste of what it must've been like when the outside world invaded you know the bubble. And I
0: saw you that morning, and I was like, I've had anxiety all day, yeah. waiting for the decision to come
1: out. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking about that. Like, I wonder what that must have been like for you, or for some of the other black females. And there are other black women here in the bubble, um, doing all sorts of things. I thought LeBron kind of spoke to it in that answer that he gave you. That I, that was kind of that made me feel good. It made me realize that. These guys, this is the social justice component here is not for show, like it's genuine for these players. Have you felt that it's as genuine as it seems?
0: Yeah, I definitely believe that. I just think there's been a learning curve for some people on how to speak to those issues. Um, but I definitely see people's hearts are what I feel like are in the right places. Like, and I asked that question to LeBron because he had tweeted out about protecting black women, and right, I think when I hear people say that, I understand that it's in reference to Brianna Taylor, but I also talked to my male friends about protecting black women while we're here. Meaning the way you speak to us, about us, our social interactions, like making sure that you guys are showing us the same love that I feel like we try to show black men as well. So that's why I asked them, like, what does that mean to you? Cause you get a different answer from everyone, which I think right. is fine, but, I just feel like it's such a broad statement. Like how can we narrow it in and make it a little more specific if possible?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've I've enjoyed uh, seeing – and I've been around these guys in a professional environment for 20 years now. Like for me, it's been interesting. I remember when LeBron was a rookie and when he was a younger guy coming into the league. Like his his transformation from young buck to – you know, elder statesman, like being thirty-five and in his seventeenth season, and and being kind of a the conscious voice of the league a lot of times. Like when when somebody's looking for representation from the NBA, they don't go to somebody else; they go to straight to LeBron, which I don't think has always been the case for that purpose in this league. Like there was a time when you had so many competing superstars for that kind of face of the league persona that you might go to Kobe or somebody else in the same time. But now it's undoubtedly been LeBron, even with other players who have loud voices and and huge platforms. Why do you think it's been LeBron so specifically? Do you think it's because of who LeBron is as a player or more because of who he is as a person off the court and the fact that he's been willing to dive into that space and really embrace that role?
0: I think it's a combination, right? Like, if he wasn't as good as he was, but was still doing amazing social justice work, yes, people would, like, mention it, but it wouldn't be as big, right? I think what we've seen with other superstars in the past is that they may have done things, but not this way. Like, I think... LeBron speaking about his legacy the other day when someone asked him, and he said basketball is not one to be is not the thing that he wants right for his legacy to talk about. It's the work that he's done. It's his school. It's being um, a leader for the next generation. So I think because he's gone so far to use his platform to be very intentional about the causes he supports that it makes other people gravitate towards that because you can say like you might not love his game as a basketball player right like you might not be a lebron guy but you can't say that this man doesn't love his community and isn't trying to look out for his people
1: yeah that's a very good point i'll be curious too mo to see where all of that goes once we leave here, like how strong that movement is leading up to November 3rd election day and how they sustain it. Because we don't know when the next season is going to start. We don't know how much of that amplified message will still be out there, you know, in in the public. Um, So I'll be, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to watch social media and really like dive in to what these players are saying after November 3rd and in that time leading up to the start of next season.
0: I think Someone who should get more credit is Chris Paul. Um, I think he's done a great job, even leading into the election. Like, he's done so much stuff on social. Like, he, like, popped in to watch a game the other night. Or we see him, like, talking to former First Lady Michelle Obama on IG Live. Like, he's one of those people that I believe has been working with the PA really well to make sure that players are given the spaces to get involved in whatever however they want um, and it feels like a lot of players are latching onto it and that he's bringing up the next generation of like you see donovan mitchell's getting involved in more things like tobias harris like i think that the older generation is saying yes we've done all these great things basketball wise but we now understand how important we are to society Y'all got to help us. And we got to keep passing the torch versus, Oh, I'm just going to walk in my greatness and whatever happens to everyone else happens to everyone else.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a great point. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I advise people to follow Morgan Mitchell on social media platforms. Also, she's got a hand in all of the stuff you see on NBA TV, social media and other stuff. So it's very, very hard work that you put in Morgan. Um, uh, like I said, I respect the grind. I know this is not easy. And uh you have you have turned this thing out like legitimate rock star status down here in the bubble, man. Appreciate you.
0: I appreciate you and all like my uncle brothers <laughs> down here in the bubble with me helping to support me because there have been times that I have felt very tried and tired and y'all just like no, come on, keep going so I appreciate you so much
1: yes, thank you Morgan, no, listen, don't ever stop I, I told you that day, I love how when you make a point and you're like trying to say something to somebody, you give that little that little hand <laughs> movement like uh, I need that I need that in my life down here, I've needed to see that down here in the bubble
0: you gotta add some emphasis a little place sometimes
1: <laughs> no doubt thank you Mo, appreciate it
0: Thank
1: you. All right, we're also going to talk to my man John Scott, uh, Wilt Chamberneyzi. He's the other half of the uh, under the radar but superstar portion uh, of the team that's down here in the bubble. He's getting major love on social media. He's got the redone picture. It's kind of the the updated version of the Wilt Chamberlain. 100-point game, except it's John Scott holding up the sign with his 100 days game. Uh, Jay Scott, how you doing, man? Listen, and it's not even noon yet, but I guarantee you've been working for, what, the last seven hours? You've, you've probably been out somewhere, <laughs> scouting locations, setting up. I don't think people appreciate the kind of the work that's done behind the camera, John. How long have you been here? And try and give people a, a sense of – of what you've been doing in terms of just all of the field producing and other work you have to do down here.
2: I came down with the first group. It was Chris Haynes, myself, um, Melinda Adams, and Malika Andrews for um, the media crew. So we're the first media down here in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, my first assignment was to just kind of tell the story of how the bubble's getting set up. So it was just like, hey man, let's be a fly on the wall. Just videotape everything you see. Just kind of, you know, try and tell a story of what's happening here. And um, that's how it all first started. And then it got extended on to, hey, let's, you know, let's cover the regular season. And I asked if I could stay on to work through the conference finals for TNT. And then I asked to remain on with NBA TV through the finals. So it's just been it's been an incredible journey. Yeah.
1: I mean, this was a hell of a assignment initially just to be one of the first people in here. Did you have a feel for just how special this would be if they pulled it off? You know, if the league and, and the players were able to, A, restart a season, you know, under the, the specter of the coronavirus pandemic, but then to pull it off, to get all of these different things lined up, you know, and then get to this point.
2: Yeah, I knew how historic it would be. I, mean, I didn't know I didn't know it would be this historic, but I knew mm-hmm. it would be something special. Um, when the f- talks first started, um, my name had got mentioned, but because I have a wife and kids, they were like, oh, no, we can't ask John to go there for that long. We'll, we'll see if we can get, like, a freelancer or somebody we could just hire just to take over, and I, I went right to Drew Watkins and Tyler Laser and Michael Doyle, I told him, hey man, <laughs> I gotta be a part of this. Cause I already knew, you know, I had a special skill set as far as being able to produce, being able to shoot, just being able to do multiple things. Um, so I asked specifically if I could be a part of this. And, uh, you know, I told my family exactly what was happening. And, you know, we're in a pandemic right now. There's a lot of social unrest going on in the country. I was sitting at home working remote. Um, I, I've been asking uh, my boss Craig Barry, can I get back into the um, the building to get my camera? Because everything got locked down so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I've been without my camera for several months. I've just been just fiending to get back into the action. So when I saw this opportunity, there possibly could be a bubble. I honestly didn't think it could work because just the way the country's going and with the way this pandemic is exploding. But you know, Adam Silver and his team, they had a great great plan in place. And when they kind of explained to us all the stipulations and how they're going to separate the zones and how everybody's going to work, it just seemed like this Weird science project that I really want to be a part of. I had a feeling it was going to be special and it definitely has been.
1: So, you were part of that first group of media, as you mentioned, that came down. And there's a limited number of us in here as it is. Uh, I think there's 20, maybe tops, you know, um, reporters who are here from various publications around the country. And then you mentioned the producers yourself. Um, the ESPN produced, I think they got, you know, two or three in here as well. How much did the access and the way you did business change from the time when when you guys first arrived to when the players from all 22 teams started getting here to the point where we get to the playoffs and we start going in the other direction and eliminating?
2: I think it's changed significantly. Um, Chris Haynes wrote about it when he first got out of – the little purgatory they had a <laughs> in. He wrote about it, and, and he had a quote. He said, "We're guinea pigs." And I think that was a great way to put it, um, because it was just four of us, and we had full access to roam anywhere we wanted. Um, of course, we had trackers on us and stuff to kind of see where we're going. But um, they, um, I think, they use a lot of the rules they have in place now. On um, it came because of us, just to see where we're moving, who we had access to. Okay, we can't have Mita standing right there because the players are going to be crossing through here. We can't have them access this part because they're going to need their privacy here. So we kind of just roamed around. We are free to do what we wanted to do. Um, you know, Chris Haynes is a very popular uh, sports writer. <laughs> so he knows, he knows all the players. So everywhere we would go, players would stop and talk to him. And, you know, I'm cameraman, so I'm just there with the camera. And um, some of the interactions I would videotape and the players were cool with it. And it just, it, it felt like a really cool elite AAU campus, which it still does feel that way. Mm-hmm. But definitely there's a lot more restrictions put in place. But those first couple of days, like we would, actually first couple of weeks, we had free reign to, you know, wander wherever we wanted to go and interact with players. And they're kind of just figuring it out just to kind of see how much access does the media really get here. Because at the end of the day, the players, this is this is their home as well as ours, but, you know, they wanted some kind of privacy. And uh, they were able to kind of see exactly how much interaction we would be having on a day to day. I
1: know you came into it with, you know, an understanding of some of these players, maybe your own views about who they were and how they, you know, exist in the league. Did you get your mind changed on some guys seeing them in this Petri dish of, you know, the bubble in terms of just in a, a totally uncomfortable but organic environment where, you know, they don't have the normal stuff that accompanies their regular life. I mean, they're down here really stripped down to their basic elements. Like, just what kind of – if you're a good human being or if you're a hardworking dude or if you're a guy who's locked in and, or, you know, whatever you are, it's been exposed down here. Did you get a different appreciation or understanding for some of these players that you maybe thought were one way before and look at them differently now?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's, it was cool just to see guys out of their element. Like, even if their rooms are bigger than our rooms – we're still living in a room at the end of the day. And these guys, they got mansions. They have all these luxuries. And um, for them to leave that and to come, you know, just live as the common folk, just be here, you know, in a room and toughing it out, I thought that was pretty cool. I got a chance to spend a lot of time with uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, um, them being good friends with Chris Haynes again. Um, they would come over to our side and hang out with us and listen to music and just kick it, you know, and just it was just normal. It just felt cool just to be normal and hanging. It's cool to see, like, LeBron riding by on his bike, Um, You know, I see him when I go to breakfast. He's always over at the Three Bridges eating breakfast. And it seems like everyone is just chilling in their own natural environment. There's no big entourage um, because, again, we're in the bubble. So the numbers are limited. So it's just him rolling around, um, you know, with his teammates or or NBA or staff from his team, I should say. Um, But, yeah, it's been cool to see that. It's been cool to see – I guess I was on a ride seeing Deion Waiters with, you know, his son. And I think he had Jared Dudley's son with him. Just seeing guys just be guys, you know, just – Outside of the stereotypical athlete, you know, the negative um, aspect that people like to point at it. It's pretty cool just to see guys just just chilling in their natural environment.
1: You've had some interesting assignments, I know, over the course of your career, um, certainly at Turner. Where does the bubble, even though it's not officially completed just yet, but where do you think this rates in terms of your – not just your favorite assignments that you've had, but maybe your most interesting and unique – you know, experiences with the camera, like you said, being that fly on the wall, because you've done it a lot of different places, a lot of different events um, all over the world, I'm assuming, you know, all over this country for sure. Where do you rank the bubble on that list of things you've done in your career that You say, man, that's that, that might be
2: the craziest thing I've ever done. This is right up there. I mean, of course, I'm living in the moment right now, so this is definitely fresh, top of the list. Um, there was a shoot I did when well, we worked with Michelle Obama's brother, uh, Craig Robinson. And of course the Obamas were there for the Obama summit. So dealing with secret service and getting that, getting your, having your gear placed the day ahead so the dogs can sniff it out <laughs> and they can, you know, walk, look at it and all that stuff. That was a unique experience. Every time I ever wanted to go home, like if well, I was tired, I'm like, oh, I want, I miss my family I want to go home. I would always think about how big this thing is. And if I go home, I'm just gonna be watching on TV like I was just there. So why would I, why would I leave? I kind of want to see it through.
1: For somebody like yourself, who's, who's got a filmmaker's mentality and you know, has studied that craft, how will you capture this for yourself later? Like, is there, are you putting things away mentally that you maybe want to go back to? Footage you want to go back and look at later when you get a little distance so you can maybe have a creative way to capture what what went on down here?
2: Well, again, I was assigned down here for TNT and NBA TV, so I've been shooting with my camera. I've had, I have several cameras with me, also have an ENG and crew. Um, first, it was just Dave Baker and myself, which is one guy, and now I have uh, two guys with me, Jeff and Zach, who are assisting for the finals coverage. But I've noticed a lot of the, the best footage I've ever got was from my phone, um, just because it's like to really be a fly on the wall sometimes, you just got to be small. You know, you can't have a big camera. Some people when they when you plot a big camera, the moment stops because they're they they realizing they're on tape and they watch what they say. But for some reason with a cell phone, it just seems like, okay, we'll just keep talking. It's just a cell phone, you know. But um, to be honest, Taylor Rooks taught me that I did a shoot with Taylor out here and I came with my ENG guy and a big my big cameras and all this stuff. And she's like Jonathan, I do social. Like I do it's real, real small. And I was like, nah we got you, it's gonna look great. She's like nope, I do it with my phone, try this phone. And I started shooting with her phone, it was amazing. So now it's like I shoot so much stuff with my phone because I'm able to get so many more moments in 4K in that same quality. Um, and, it's, and it's like I'm a fly on the wall, really. Like I'm able to just capture a lot of cool moments, um, a lot of moments that I'm going to look back on and, and put it all together. Someone told me to write a book. I'm not really a book writer. I try to you know, jot down a journal every day of little things that I've done, and that didn't work out so well. But I have videotape stuff every day. So I may do a video journal at the end where I just compile all this stuff together, all the moments that I spent with the reporters and just the people in the mix. Um, cause at first I thought it was going to be me just really trying to get close to the players and establish those relationships, which we did, but it turned out that it was really the reporters and the people that you're hanging out with every day, working out with going for bike rides, um, you know, just kicking in the mind, just you know hanging out those are the relationships I'm gonna miss the most, and I'm glad I got a chance to bond with everybody,
1: no doubt man, appreciate your work, John Scott, as always, you know that, but especially during this time, man, this is a unprecedented n b a playoffs and all the years I've covered in this league, I've never experienced anything like this man and i and I appreciate the fine work that you've done because before I got here, you brought it to life for me on the screen, um and then I get here and see. The hard work and grind that goes into it from this side, man, it's it's mind-blowing. I hope people have appreciated it as much as I have.
2: Yes, sir, man. I appreciate it, man. And I, I really am grateful to be able to do this because before, when we're all home, we're just looking at Zoom calls and looking at, uh, you know how all the shows were, everybody would be in boxes on Zoom, and they were like, hey, man, you can go out there and do a live hit with Chris Haines with your camera. I was like, what? So, like, the first time we actually had, like, that presence of, like, actual live hit other than, like, the Zoom or the WebEx look. So I'm I'm very grateful to be able to be a part of that and help out. No doubt. John Scott
1: joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. John and Morgan, as I mentioned at the top, have been two of uh, the most integral people uh, in terms of bringing this coverage to people outside the bubble, to bring it to everybody. So we appreciate them. Appreciate you. I'm not going to say – that this is the end of our bubble experience definitely until we see what happens in game five if it is it's been a pleasure bringing you hang time podcast and all of these special guests from down here in the orlando bubble and appreciate you see you next time on the hang time podcast